Glad each and every one of you is here with us. And what an exciting morning we've had so far. Love those dedications, those the cute babies. I can't get enough of that. That's awesome. What a, what a great time to, to celebrate them and to walk alongside those families as well as all that's going on within our community. And so much is happening that even Alyssa, who is up on stage, has taken a new role with us here at Riverbend as the Director of Communications, doing a great job. We're grateful. Yeah, let's give it up for Alyssa, as well as appreciating... Uh, the, the role that Katie Casamasa played in that seat as well over these last several years. We're grateful for her as she's transitioning out. She's still part of our community. Praise God for that because we are grateful. Yeah, we can give it up for her as well. Yeah, we're thankful for them and so much happening. But again, we're just so thankful for all the ways God's at work here at Riverbend. And we're grateful to have each and every one of you here with us today as we're continuing our teaching series called Walk This Way. Say that with me out loud on three, one, two, three. Walk this way. All right. So as we continue this series, what we've been doing is journeying throughout the Gospel of John to walk in the Jesus way, to understand who he is and, and what he's about. And as we begin our time together, I want you to think about what your favorite food is. What is your favorite food? Just think with me. Well, this is my favorite food. I'm trying not to get you too hungry, but sorry. What is your favorite food? How many of you would say this is my favorite food? This is cauliflower. How many of you say, yeah, you know, this is, this is my favorite food. I haven't met too many people. So many of you saying that, but I don't think you're being truthful. I think you just say, you know, trying to show how healthy you are as an eater. Uh, showing off a little bit, all right? But I haven't met too many people that say, you know what? I just love cauliflower. You know what? When I, when I think about what I want to watch when I'm watching a movie and what I want to eat, I'm just going to grab a, a head of cauliflower and eat it like it's popcorn. You know? Like, I, I haven't met anybody like that. And, and for me... I have to say, I'm not opposed to cauliflower, but I've never been like, man, I just, I'm jonesing for some cauliflower. Like, I, man, I got, I, got, I got a need for some cauliflower. I just really need some cauliflower. But that all changed when I walked into this place. And this place is called True Blue Mediterranean Cafe. It's amazing, all right? So they have a location in Emmaus. They have uh, some quick service uh, shops as well in Quakertown and another one in Sladington. And my wife and I went there several years ago, and as we were looking at the menu, she's like, man, this cauliflower sounds good. They explained it to us, and I'm like, I don't know, Amy. I'm, I'm really, like, leery because I've never been one at a restaurant like, hey, again, I really want some cauliflower, right? I, I wasn't thinking that it's going to be really that good. And so they told us about it all, you know, they, they were describing it. And he's like, oh, that sounds really, really good. So thankfully, I listened to my wife, right? You're usually wise if you do that. And so we ended up getting the cauliflower appetizer. And here's what it looks like. This is right off their social media page. And so what, what they do with their cauliflower, they, they roast it and they season it and they put this lemonade sauce on top of it. And then when you eat it, you're like, mm, that's really good. Really, really, uh. It's so good that I kept raving about it to other people. So now my, my brothers and their families, they love going here, and they get the same thing. And I've been such a raving fan of them that now I have my own version of this. They call it the Joe special, where I take this, and then I say, hey, can I get some chicken or lamb on top of that? It's a great meal, by the way. Or can I get both on top? Sometimes I'll do both, all right, if I'm feeling adventurous. And it's so good, and I, I tell people about it. But people don't believe it's going to be that good because they've had a bad experience with the cauliflower. They've had a bad experience with cauliflower in their own life. Like my brother-in-law from Denmark, he came. And he was like, 
talking to me about what he was going to get. And I was like, man, you should really get the cauliflower. He's like, no, I'm going to get a, a gyro. I'm like, okay, I mean, it's good. I like the gyro. I mean, they're good here, all right? Like, I'm not going to argue with you. And I was like, but the cauliflower, man, that's where it's at. And he's like, nah, I've had bad experience with cauliflower. So many bad experiences. So then I got enough for us to share. And he took a bite. And you should have seen his facial expressions. Just the, the goodness of all those seasons coming together. And he was like, I've never had cauliflower like this. Never. I've never had it like this. Oh, it's so good. And the meat on top, oh, all these flavors mix it. And again, you got to know my brother-in-law, he's, he's Danish. So he's not overly expressive. So for him to start talking about this and like just going on and on and on about it, you're like, all right, this was really good. And then he tells his wife about it who wasn't with us. She's like, oh, we got to go there before we go back. But they didn't get a chance to do that. But nonetheless, nonetheless, you can't help but share something that you get excited about, something that you've tasted, something that then you share with others. And despite your leeriness, despite your skepticism, for me with this cauliflower, it changed when I tasted something different. And today what we're going to see with Jesus in his ways, as we look through John 1 today, we're going to actually see what happens when you taste of Jesus, really the real Jesus, not the culture version of Jesus, not even the church culture or evangelicalism version of Jesus, or not the podcaster version of Jesus, or your religious study professor version of Jesus, or somebody else's version of Jesus. But when you taste and see Jesus for Jesus, really, and you See him for who he is. You cannot help but share it with others. So if you have your Bibles, I'll invite you to open up with me. We're going to be jumping into John 1, starting in verse 35. Verses are on the screen. We have free copies of the Bible on your way out as well. And you can pull it up on your app. We have a Riverbend app as well. You can follow along in that way. And what we're going to do is we're going to read through these verses, and then we'll zoom in on them. But I want you to just hear again what it is that Jesus' disciple, who gave an eyewitness account, to what he saw with his very own eyes, how he talks about what actually happened in the life of Jesus. And he's going to mention this character that I've told you about through this series named John the Baptist. That's another John, not to confuse you, right? There's two Johns in this, all right? So I want you to, to know John the Baptist is the one he's going to mention even today as we reread these verses. But starting in verse 35, it says this, the next day, John was there again. This is John the Baptist, by the way, with two of his disciples, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus, turning around. Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what, one of the two who heard what John had said and had, who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, mean, which is translated, is, which, excuse me, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, 
was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray together. Father, right now we thank you for this word. And we thank you that as we look to who you are, Jesus, that you're inviting us in. Inviting us to experience and to understand more fully. Not from just a human intellectual side of things, but first truly seeing you for who you are. You're inviting us in and then to join you on what it is you're about. So I pray even today as we think about what it is that this passage says, I pray that you would open our our eyes and our ears and our heart. Lord, I pray that we would hear your word, but then it would lead us to the place of faith. Not only faith in the sense that we profess our trust in you, but we live a life that says we find you trustworthy, Jesus. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. All right, well, as we continue on here, we're going to zoom in. We've zoomed out. Now we're going to zoom in to John 1. And again, it says this, The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And before we heard him say a couple weeks ago, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so what John the Baptist is doing, he's declaring, Hey, there's one that's greater than me. I'm lifting up Jesus. And it says, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And what an accomplishment for John the Baptist's ministry, for them to leave following him to start following Jesus. Because John's ministry was to prepare the way of the Lord. He's like, I'm the voice of one calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. His whole goal of his ministry was for people to encounter and experience Jesus. And now it's happening. And it says this, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? What do you want? And when Jesus asked us those kinds of questions as well, they're not rhetorical in the sense that he doesn't know the answer, but rather he wants us to define, hey, what do I really, really want? Do I really want the Jesus that's in front of me? Do I really want who he is and what he's about? Am I genuinely interested in him? Am I seeking after who he is and what he's about? What do you want? And listen to the response. It says, they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. And I just love their response to Jesus. Where are you staying? Rabbi, where are you staying? Teacher, where are you staying? We want to be where you're going. We want to be 
with you. And he says, come, he replied, and you will see. And so they were with him, it says, for the day. They were staying with Jesus. And, you know, one of the beautiful things about all of us, no matter where we are, Jesus' invitation to us is come and see. Come and see. Come stay with me. And if you're here and you're skeptical about this whole Jesus thing, I invite you to genuinely seek to understand and to find who he is. Because he never turns, around, turns away someone who's genuinely seeking, even if they're the most skeptical person. And there's a reason why you're skeptical. There's something that happened. There's an experience. There's an expectation. Life went one way, and you thought it should go another way. But I want you to know Jesus is available. Jesus doesn't shun you. He doesn't run away from you. He says, come. Come say with me. Come and see what I'm about. Come. And let's journey through life together. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this is the constant invitation that he gives to us to find our home in him. To be a people that are so anchored to his love that there's this loving union with Christ that then fills us and it spills out wherever we go. But it's walking with Jesus. So he says again, come and see, stay with me. Come and see and stay with me. Well, as we continue on here, the question I gave you based off Jesus is, what do you want? What is at the core of who you are when it comes to what you think about Jesus? And is it genuinely true that you want to know him and his ways? Are you a person that says, you know what? I really want peace, but I don't know where to find it. I keep looking and I keep searching. I want you to know you don't have to search any further. Jesus is the source of peace. You need wisdom. You're not sure what to do. Jesus is the source of wisdom to come, to see, to stay with them is where we find what it is that we truly need. The deepest longing that we have can be fully satisfied in the one who calls himself the living water, Jesus. So what are your longings? What are your fears? What are you tired from? You can find rest in him. You can unburden yourself because he's done all the work on your behalf through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is Jesus. This is the one that we're coming after. And then the next part of this is come and see is the invitation Jesus gives to us all. He gives every one of us that invitation. So what are you doing with that invitation? You have to decide what you're going to do with it. And some of us haven't responded, but I want you to know he's pursuing you because he pursues a prodigal people like me and like you. And he says, I want you to have what it is that's found only in me. I left my home in heaven to come down for you, to pursue you. And he's inviting us in. And no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, if you're skeptical, not a follower of Jesus, or you've been a follower of Jesus for many, many years, like these families that were dedicated today, what were they saying? They were saying, Jesus, we want you to have access to our lives. We want you to have access to some of the, the most precious gifts that we've been given, our kids. We want you to lead us as we lead them. Again, this is the invitation, but we have to make a decision and you know, you've invited people to things and you never hear from them. How does that make you feel? You're like, oh, they ghosted me. What's up with that? You know, like you keep, you say, should I send another text, right? Like, I, I just want to make sure I have enough, right? Or you've received an invitation. And when you receive an invitation, 
it's something that either you're excited about or you're like, eh, I don't know about that, you know? We all have those things in our lives. The question for you is, how do you respond to the invitation that Jesus is giving you that says, come and see? Because this is the invitation that he gives to each and every one of us. Well, as we continue on here in John 1, it says this, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. What a good brother, right? What a good brother that, that Andrew is, right? He's trying to, he's thinking about this Jesus. He's encountering him. He's spending the day with him. He's staying with Jesus. And he's like, the first thing I got to do is I got to go find my brother. And I'm grateful for the gift of brothers like this in my own life who, who want to point me to Jesus. Literally, I have brothers like this who say, hey, man, we want you to encounter all that Jesus has for you. But what a good brother he is because they had been waiting for the long-expected Messiah for hundreds of years. And he's saying, hey, we have found him. We have found the Messiah. We have found the one, the Christ, the promised one, the ones the prophets foretold about. We have found him. We have found him. And then it goes on to say this. It says, and he brought him to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. And I just love that phrase. He brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. And what he is getting ready to do in the life of Peter as you go through John's gospel is we're going to see this change of identity to step fully in to all that Jesus has for him. And Peter wasn't there yet, but you see this vision being cast for Peter's life of being called into something that he wasn't yet. But the first step was that, of that was to come and see Jesus. And so his brother brings him to Jesus. And I want you to think about your own journey. Who are the people that have helped bring you to Jesus? Who are those people in your, your own life that helped you to see Jesus? You know, I, I think about my own story, and, and there's so many people I could name. But so many people have helped be the hands and feet of Jesus towards me that it led me to have a love for the local church because I experienced the local church that way. As a guy without a, a dad in his life, the local church stepped in. They stepped in, and they were the hands and feet of Jesus. In fact, over the summertime, a team from my hometown came. And it was such a great time to have a team from where I'm from. Smyrna First Baptist came up from Smyrna, Georgia, where I'm, I'm born and raised there. And they were, they were here, and they were just so encouraged what was going on. But one of the ladies who was in the teaching profession remembers us. And she remembers all the the havoc me and my identical twin brother caused in Smyrna. And I will spare the details for that. But I will say, say to you, she was so not only encouraged about our lives, but one of the things she said is, hey, you're, you're, I hope, she goes, I hope you know that it's really uncommon for somebody who has a learning disability and a learning difference to get up and teach and communicate the way you're doing it. And she wasn't saying it to like, ridicule me and I'm not telling you that to like look how great I am but what she's saying is hey God's activity is in your your life and I was able to tell her I was like you know it's funny for a long time I was embarrassed about that 
But then I realized part of what Jesus was doing in me was showing me his kindness and his grace and his goodness and to walk alongside others and to, to understand the way I learn is so different than the way other people learn. The reason I don't bring notes up here isn't because I don't have something that I'm looking at throughout the week, but it's, it's rather, for me, this is the way I do it. For others, they need notes, and there's not a wrong or right way to do it. It's just the way I do it. But one of the things that she was saying is, hey, Jesus is, is at work in your, in your life. And I, I want you to know people like her, Miss Teresa, we would call her. Miss Teresa investing in me and my brothers and pointing us towards Jesus. She was a part of the people that brought us to Jesus. Who are those people in your life? Who are they? And who are you bringing to Jesus? Because we're called to do this. Because you notice, you'll notice that Peter's brother, Peter's brother wasn't waiting to go through and complete an evangelism course before he went and found his brother and brought him to Jesus. He wasn't waiting for, hey, what's the 10 steps I must go through in order to then go tell my brother and bring him to Jesus? Rather, no, I taste it and I've seen who this Jesus is and I've got to share him with my brother and I'm going to bring him to you. I want to bring him to you, Jesus. And we're all called to do that. We're all called to bring people to Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with training and equipping. That's all part of this. But rather, out of the overflow of our lives, just like that cauliflower. I can't help but tell you guys about the cauliflower at Trubel, right? But when I taste of Jesus, I can't help but let that overflow. I look for opportunities to open my mouth, to show and tell who this Jesus is, both in word and deed. So as we think about this, here's a question for you. Who are you bringing to Jesus? Who are you bringing to Jesus? Who is it that you're bringing to him? And one of the things that has been amiss lately in the church as a whole is we're preoccupied with lesser things because we forgot one of our main purposes, which is to bring people to Jesus. When you're not living on purpose and on mission, you have time to be preoccupied with lesser things that at the end of the day, just going to be honest, they really matter in this moment, maybe to you, but in the span of eternity, they don't matter for the sake of who's spiritually lost, spiritually dead, and apart from God. But when you're preoccupied with lesser things and not on mission, it's easy to get distracted. And then you start doing armchairing quarterback and you've got a critique and a comment about anything and everything, whether that's something that you saw on social media or somebody doing this or somebody doing that, but you're not living on purpose, but you've got one life to live. Because we don't believe in reincarnation here, by the way. We don't. So we got one life to live here on earth. Are you journeying with Jesus on purpose and for his purposes? Who are you bringing to Jesus, both word and deed? Are you intentionally living on mission? And again, it's okay to have an opinion. It's okay to have a thought. It's okay. But is that over the purpose of what he has for your life? Who are you bringing to Jesus? When's the last time? I want you to think about this, honestly. When's the last time I prayed for an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody? When's the last time I opened my mouth to proclaim who he is? When's the last time I allowed my life to speak of his love and truth and who he is? When's the last time? And this is not to guilt you into it, but it may be an indication. Are you really tasting and seeing of who Jesus is? Are you walking with him? Are you staying with him? Because when you're staying with him, you can't help but share. 
It's out of the overflow of what he's forming in you. Again, who are you bringing to Jesus? And the next part of, of this, following Jesus means we are walking in his ways. And I don't want you to miss the connection because we can start hearing, who am I bringing to Jesus? And it becomes like a checklist. <laughs> and I don't want that to happen, but rather I want us to be following Jesus by means of walking in his way. So when we're following Jesus, it means, again, we are walking in his ways. So when you look at Jesus and what he did and how he did it, could it be said of you that your character is being conformed to his likeness in your posture, in your attitude, and then in your actions? Could it be said of you that the, the competencies of Christ are growing? Not that you need to be something that he's not asking you to be, but something that he's enabling and empowering you to be. Are you allowing that to fuel the way that you live your life? Again, wherever you go, is he invited to go with you? Because he's always saying, hey, I'm here. I'm here. I'm sending an invitation. Let me in. Let me be a part of it. Will we let him in? Will we let him have access to that part of our life. Again, following Jesus means we are walking in his ways. Well, as we continue on here in John 1, it says then, it says this here in verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, what's the word here? Follow me. Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found who? He found somebody, right? He found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And, and you've read ahead with us, but you've got to imagine that there's going to be a similar response that Andrew got from his brother Peter. Oh man, this is, man, they're on a roll right now. Philip's following, everybody's like going at it, you know, like, yes. Yes, people are, man, Jesus, yes, they've, they've tasted and they've seen. But listen to Nathaniel's response. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And I wanted to tell Nathaniel, yes, I know people from Nazareth. Some really, some really, really fine, upstanding people that are in our church. And, and, but he's not talking about that Nazareth. But what he's getting at is, hey, Nazareth was not viewed in high regard. And so for Jesus to be from Nazareth, this lower level socioeconomic place, was like, what? And then listen to the response. Listen to the response. Philip berates Nathaniel. He gives him 10 reasons why you're wrong and I'm right. He puts the pressure on him. Does the heart sell? No. That's not what it says. He says, come and see said Philip. And I love the posture of Philip. Because instead of going into attack mode, he says, hey, come and see. Come and see for yourself. Come and see for yourself. It says, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And I just love Jesus' response to Nathanael. It's not to say, oh, here's the doubting one. Here's the one that didn't believe me. Here's the one, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't ostracize him. But rather, he sees him and shares with him how he views him. And I love even Philip's response. Again, come 
and see. You, you see this taking place and taking shape. This is the right posture. Because we know our purpose and we were letting Jesus work through us. We can have a posture of humility. We can have a posture that allows us to lean in and honor people even as we're honest about who Jesus is. And we need that more than ever. Because right now, the church, we are people not known for our humility and our ability to honor people while being honest. We're often known for the opposite. But that's a byproduct of a kink in the hose. The gospel of Jesus, who he is, his ways are not taking shape in us. That's why it's possible to be a follower of Christ for 40 years and still hold on to bitterness and resentment. That's why it's, it's easy to be a follower of Christ for however many years and not allow him to change us from the inside out. And listen, this is not, a, again, a, a shame session, session for on you. This is a recognizing, hey, God wants to work in our lives. I've been there. There are areas in my life where I've been like, wow, I didn't give you access to that. I don't know why. I just didn't understand it. And it wasn't trying to be disobedient, but now he's bringing awareness to it. And as we journey with Jesus, we've got to be a people that allow him to work in us and then move to being a people that are marked by this humility, this honoring, and this honesty. We need all three of those things. It's not one or the other. It's all of those things. But it goes on to say this. It says, how do you know me? Nathaniel asked Jesus. Nathaniel asked, Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel, Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And so Nathaniel's starting to see Jesus for who he is. And as you watch through the gospels, we know that this is the beginning because it's a lifelong journey, just like for all of us, for these disciples to fully get who Jesus is and his ways and what he's about and what he prioritized. And so Nathaniel begins this journey with Jesus. And Jesus then says this. Jesus said, you believed because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And so as we, we think about this, and as we consider what it is that he's saying, it's really important to note, uh, Dr. Tony Evans said it so well, that when you look at this passage in particular, it's a reference to Genesis 28. And when Jacob, if you're not familiar with that passage, had this vision where uh, God would come down, the angels would come down this ladder from heaven. And when he says, Jacob, who's known to be a deceiver, by the way, which is uh, one, of, one of those uh, in, in the lineage of Jewish history, one of the forefathers of the Jewish faith, he's saying, hey, this man was known to be a deceiver. But with you, Nathaniel, I don't see deception. There's no deceit here. But it's also a reference point to the fact that Jesus fully comes down for us, right? The vision you're seeing, again, it says here, uh, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, fully seen before them and his work and what he was going to do on their behalf and what he was going to do on each and, on, for, our, for each and every one of us on, on our behalf as well. What he's going to provide that we can't provide because we couldn't earn our way to God. God came down for us and pursued us. And it's really beautiful to think about this imagery that Jesus is giving us but it's not just so that we can know about Jesus. It's so that we can walk with Jesus. 
so we can walk in his way, so we can stay with Jesus, so that we can do life with Jesus, so that we can allow him to have access to all those, those points in our life. So as we think about this, I want to give you a couple things this week. And maybe you want to take a picture of this. Feel free to do that. And what I want you to think about is the, is the following. Take some time this week to consider the following. Where is my journey with Jesus? Where is your journey with Jesus? Where are you right now with Jesus? Where, where is he? Where, where, where are you with him? Where is he with you? <laughs> like, where is your journey? Are you here today and you say, hey, I haven't even started a journey with Jesus? I want to invite you to begin one. Come and see. Come and stay with Jesus. Come and put your trust in him. Come follow after what he's done for you through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. He's inviting each and every one of us because we cannot save ourselves. We cannot rescue ourselves. We are spiritually dead and we need a savior. But he created us on purpose and for a purpose. And he wants us to receive all that's found in him. The life and the light, as it says in John's gospel, to receive what it is that he has for us. So where's your journey with Jesus? And some of us, again, we've been followers of Christ for some time. Are there areas of your life that you haven't given him access to? Maybe it's your social media. The way you're, you're going about using social media. How you're talking about people, talking to people. How it moved from maybe a point of connection with others because social media has changed so much, now it becomes a soapbox. What's your posture on social media? Because that's part of how we talk and we communicate. Are you allowing him to journey in every area of your life? Where is your journey with Jesus? And then the second part, am I allowing his ways to shape me so that I am led to share him with others? Am I allowing his ways to shape me so that I am led to share him with others? Are you allowing him to shape you? Because he wants to shape you. He wants to shape me. He wants to form us and conform us into his likeness. But that happens with journeying with Jesus. That happens when we look at the scriptures as more than just a textbook about life, but rather a source to encounter the word who took on flesh, Jesus. That we would see Jesus for who he is, that we would take time to pray. Are you prioritizing praying? And sometimes prayer for some of us can be intimidating. It doesn't have to be long, but is it intentional? Are you quiet and still before God? Are you inviting him to those places? Are you getting outside, even in Fenter? Are you getting outside and enjoying the fact that he created these things and allowing him to have access to you? And sometimes that means we need to leave our phone in the car so that we can go for a long walk and just here, I have to do that. Because if I don't, I'm berated with text messages or all these things that I'm easily distracted by. What is it for you? Maybe it's the, the practice of fasting in this season. What is it that's going to allow you to be shaped by him? That's, again, leading us to share him with others, both in word and deed. And then the last thing is I want you to daily have this prayer for come and see opportunities to bring people to Jesus. We daily pray that this next, next week. And as you daily pray that, pray also, God, for courage and wisdom to know what to, what to say, when to say it, when not to say it. <laughs> we need wisdom, and he wants to give us that. He wants to show us the way, but we also need courage because oftentimes we're not sure how to turn these conversations. We're not sure how it's going to 
make us look in the eyes of others. But again, it's never about, hey, let me con- convince you uh, through, through just arguing with you. Rather, I just want to tell you who this Jesus is to me and how he's changed me. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. And if we can talk about cauliflower appetizers at True Blue, as great as that is, it has nothing on what Jesus has done for me. Amen? Right? As much as we could talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. Man, and I like Jalen Hurts, man. He's good. How much more has Jesus done for you? How much more has he done for you? You know, think about that that thing you want to buy, that thing you've recently bought and purchased, and you can't help but tell people about, man, as good as that is, Jesus is better, and he's done more. What is it in your life that you easily talk about, but for whatever reason, it's hard for you to talk about Jesus? Will you allow him to have access to you in that area as well? Because again, he wants to show up in your life, and he wants us to be the vehicle to point people to Christ. His church, his followers, his people that say, we are the friends of God through the finished work of Jesus. We're joining him on his mission. There is no plan B. We are plan A, as David Platt says. (laughs) We are his hands and his feet. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for how good you are to us and how much you're at work. And Lord, we pray that today, as we walk in your ways, I pray that you would even show us how to live this out practically. And Lord, I know for all of us, we we come with so much, Lord. And I know for many of us, even the idea of sharing our faith and sharing and showing who you are to others is intimidating. I just want to pray a prayer of peace and courage and calm. That from the overflow of our mouth, our hearts would speak, God. And that we would, out of the overflow with you, speak. I want to pray against any form of legalism or rigid ways, but rather, how do we flourish and thrive with you? What are, what's the environment we need to step in and create so that we can be a vehicle for your love and your truth, God? And Jesus, I just pray in a very real way we would sense um, that you're inviting us. You're inviting us to join you. And it's incredible to think about We get to share and show what you've done for us to others. And I pray for those who have yet to put their trust in you, that today would be the day that they do. Lord, we're grateful. We're grateful for all the ways that you're at work in our lives. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.